0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Dear
0: Hank and John.
1: Where's I for to think of it, Dear John and Hank?
0: It's a comedy podcast in which two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and worry about the world a lot, and then bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John
1: Green, what is the elephant in the room? Alright Hank, let's do it. Three, two, one. Ambient Riverpool inspired racism. Wait, what? ambient inspired racism oh i i mean i have done such a good job of not knowing what's happening with roseanne other than she doesn't have a television (laughs) show anymore and then you just you didn't let me continue to live in that world i'm sorry i'm sorry of course the thing we should be talking about
0: is liverpool football club john
1: liverpool had what can only be termed an epic epic failure in the champions league final hank it was Pretty brutal to watch as uh, the goalkeeper, Loris Karius, let in two of the worst goals, not just in the history of the Champions League, but in the history of professional soccer. Uh, Just a proper collapse. And it was brutal to watch. And I have, this is the part where I would say the good part about it and the hopeful part. But instead, all I feel is despair. (laughs) What's going on with Roseanne and Ambien? Please don't tell me.
0: Well, apparently, so basically Ambien would like everyone to know that, and indeed tweeted about the fact that none of the side effects of their drugs is being racist on Twitter. Um, Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, and- Because I do
1: sometimes take Ambien. Um.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What what happens? Do you have any good, does Ambien do stuff? What does Ambien do?
1: It mostly makes me go to sleep. That's why I take it.
0: Right. Uh, do you ever, like, wake up and you're like, weird story for me? I went and gardened in the middle of the night or something.
1: No, not really. No. I took it after the uh, Liverpool Champions League loss, actually, <laughs> just so that I could get a good night's sleep <laughs> without having those two horrific goals running through my mind all night long. Hank, sorry. Yeah. thank you for bringing me up to date on the Roseanne situation. Just kidding. What is the opposite of thank you? <laughs> just <laughs> I don't know what, what I don't know what to bring
0: up because I, I like I don't care about sports and but like the oh man it's this is day two when we're recording this of uh, of the <sighs> world being like wow this this whole thing is actually happening right now like this is a this is a, a situation that we're inside of and also that Russian journalist who or Ukrainian journalist didn't get killed by the Russian government he didn't. He just said so and I don't I can't follow that. That's I cannot very confusing.
1: recommend not having a Twitter enough because you get a completely different set of news. Like <laughs> you don't get the like breaking it's happening now news instead you get sort of like summaries of the news provided hours later once mm. the news has broken so while you're busy like breaking the news i'm just in my garden waiting for the next day when i will find out from the wall street journal and the new york times and the economist what the news was
0: yeah it's sort of amazing to think about how people used to live in a world where you had to wait to the next day to find out what news was that's and not even that's not new it's, that's the old's
1: let's get to some questions from our listeners this first question comes from Scott who writes dear John and Hank some cows live in pastures others live in beautiful diverse landscapes with breathtaking ocean views do these latter cows enjoy the view great Scott (laughs) that's a good one that's a good one Scott
0: of course they must but also why haven't we converted that land to apartments yet people need houses John
1: well, the cows do not appreciate beautiful views. First off, that's, that's I disagree the with you. Answer. I don't no. think that's true.
0: I think I that think... I think that they appreciate a diverse variety of things to look at. I do. I really do. And I don't I don't have any objective scientific basis for that but I, I think that all organisms have innate curiosity because that is how you learn things and I think that a, a more diverse environment is all like almost always better for an animal even an animal that has been bred and bred and bred and bred to be happy or at least satisfied in any situation
1: I don't disagree with that I just think that like looking out at the ocean isn't the most interesting view <laughs> if you're a cow. Right. Okay. Like, yes, I think sure. that like <laughs> humans like beaches, but that doesn't mean that cows like beaches. I think what cows sure. like looking at is a field of like tall, flowing grass. And they're just mm- like, look at all that food.
0: I really, yeah. I officially now want to read Watership Down, but with cows, like right now. Yes. If that's great a possibility, I would, I would totally I totally ingest that content, uh, except that it would have a very sad ending.
1: Well, have you read Watership Down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got some sad parts. It turns out,
1: very sad parts, very very sad parts, almost nothing but sad parts. Ah, it's very adventurous
0: though, and I want to know what the cows are thinking. John, put me inside of that, in between those those. Just lifeless-looking, beady eyes that seem to contain nothing. I want to know what's going on in there.
1: Do you know that cows are one of many mammals that could not survive without the bacteria that colonized them?
0: Oh, of course. Oh, man, cows would be totally over immediately if it weren't for the bacteria that colonized them. But I'm also one of those. John, did you know that there are some species of of bug? There are bugs that have bacteria in their stomachs that allow them to survive? Sometimes fun- fun- Fungi? Yeast. That's great. Yeah, and that's, it's, all, that's it's, awesome. our, it's not just mammals
1: like they're mm, all kind
0: of, like these bugs that eat eat wood basically But bugs can't digest wood, but fungi can because fungi can digest anything. They're amazing
1: Yeah, no, I mean it, it is crazy how dependent life is uh, upon life
0: Oh, that is very true John Which is why we should be looking out for all of the life and saying hey you life. I forgot to not kill you I'm so sorry
1: Mm, I don't think we should look out for all life equally. I don't, I don't agree <laughs> with that at all. Not even a little bit.
0: I agree. I agree
1: with you. Blake Lowe, I, man, man, we got to make I, sure to protect all the mosquitoes because how else are people going to get malaria?
0: Occasionally, somebody will say to me, uh, "Hank, all life is supposed to be helpful to uh, to, to the world." But what's the purpose of ticks? And I was like, "I don't know where your initial premise came from." Right? No, life is not like it isn't that every life every life is necessary for it all to work. No, ticks can be over immediately, and everyone would be fine.
1: Yeah. No, let's let's get rid of ticks and mosquitoes and see, just see what happens. Maybe things will be worse, but probably not.
0: <laughs> this next question comes from Kay, who asks, Dear Hank and John, greetings, I'm Kay. I love your podcasts. I just watched John's FIFA video about the Alaska adaptation. Congrats, John. And John talked about signing uh, a contract, which is very interesting for me because I have currently in my hand a contract paper that made me question a very important thing for my future. I'm 20. I dropped out of college early because of a traffic accident last February, and I have a passion in writing horror comics. My comic is called The Librarian, and people can read it for free on CIAYO.com. She goes on to say that the comic has been doing very well, and there's like a mobile game, an animated web series, maybe even a movie, and then says, what I realize, I never once try to haggle any of these contracts, I just accept them as is. Talking about money, profits, and business is scary for me. I feel like a little girl lost in a tsunami of adults and big companies. What should I do so I can handle this better for my future contracts? Or is it actually just okay to trust these people and have them pick the prices for me? Any kind of advice and opinions appreciated wholeheartedly Thank you for reading this, and I hope I can be as kind as you two when I'm older. Kay, that's very sweet that you think that we're nice. John, can, agents, right? That's the answer. Agents. Y-
1: yeah, Kay, you need to get an agent, and any and if you're bringing in income, a lot of agents will be happy to work with you. Uh, like, if your webcomic is generating any money at all, agents will be happy to take 10% of that uh, money, <laughs> and they are worth it. At least a good agent is, yeah. because... They can protect your interests, Uh, and I think if I'd had a different agent when I signed the Looking for Alaska deal, uh, the rights wouldn't have been sold forever and ever to Paramount. Now, in the end, that has turned out okay, because I am really excited about the Hulu adaptation that Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage are doing, and I think it's going to be great, but it has been a very long 13 years since uh, i <laughs> sold the rights and it has not always been fun and a big part of the reason it hasn't been fun is because in the process i did not retain any control at all in any way and that's been frustrating at times because stuff has happened that i didn't like or that i wouldn't you know that i wouldn't have done and people especially like people in the world outside of you know the little pond of publishing don't necessarily understand that the rights that authors have and don't have are the ones they retain and don't retain and and how that stuff can depend on who your agent is and whatnot. So, yeah, I I just think you need to have somebody who is on your team and who has your best interest at heart and who is an expert in this stuff, because otherwise the negotiation just isn't going to be fair right it's just never going to be fair
0: the thing that i i didn't realize going into this is that it's not just like about the number like the uh, your agent is looking at the thing and saying like like this isn't enough money but it's also about a thousand other things so there's the amount of money you get paid there's the amount of time the i like there's different ways that the like the intellectual property can be used and those are all different categories and there's like, how the money is paid out. This stuff you don't want to care about. I don't want to think about this stuff. And so I have to have an expert person who knows what is, like, standard and what to ask for. And if they want one thing, what to not give them if, they, if you're going to give them something else. And you don't want to be doing that negotiation because, one, you're not a lawyer. And agents often are, which is really nice. And, two, like, you want to make stuff. Not worry about all of this Tsunami of adults in big companies.
1: Yeah, I I just think it's really really hard not to get taken advantage of if you don't have Somebody who's an expert who's on your team in that process now some people do it Some people don't have agents and and are very successful And so our way is not the only way but it's certainly the way that's worked best for me
0: Also, if there's a tsunami of actual human bodies, that's very dangerous and you should get away
1: what could there be a tsunami of that wouldn't be very dangerous? Like, it's hard to imagine yeah, any matter-related point. tsunami not being you know, a significant first, threat.
0: My first thought was bowling pins, and I feel like that would be <sighs> That's really That's a terrible idea. Like, really painful. Um, not like, since the, the, Even worse than water.
1: Not um, since you proposed the dog name Manhole have you had a worse <laughs> idea. It's the,
0: just a tsunami of, like, hippos, but maybe not big hippos, baby hippos, miniature hippos just coming at you blah 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 that'd be bad too
1: sure um, how'd you suffocate oh under a pile of baby hippos <laughs> it would have to be something even
0: even like feathers and are leaves I feel like if it's a tsunami and it's yeah it's gonna get you too too much
1: no we should avoid tsunamis let's just try to minimize the overall number yeah. of tsunamis. This next question comes from Jared, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've been in a real reading slump lately, and everything I try to start doesn't hold my interest. When I don't follow through with a recommendation from a friend, they often get upset or offended that mm-hmm, I didn't finish mm-hmm. it or give it a fair chance. Yeah. But life's too short to finish a book you're not enjoying, right? I've seen Hank tweet several times about the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey, which I loved, and the Kingkiller Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss, which are my very favorite books. I've decided maybe you are who I should be getting my recommendations from. Any other great suggestions to get me back into reading again other than of course your book an absolutely remarkable thing which comes out on september 25th and is available for pre-order now he went to comma jared that's a I joke that only americans will r- get people outside of america are going to be like what but jared is a jewelry chain in the united oh. states <laughs> and all the commercials are like oh my god yeah. he went to jared he it's, a, to it's jared. a it's a pretty oh. sexist uh it's terrible but materialistic it, it does give Jared a name-specific sign-off, which is great. It's so it's good. It's got that going for it.
0: The first thing I gotta say to you, Jared, is never be ashamed for liking the media that you like. It's okay to be like, oh, I didn't I'm not into that thing." Uh, it, it's always good to expand your horizons, try out new stuff. But if your friends want you to like a kind of book that you don't like, that's okay. And if you find the kind of thing that you do like, then go for it. I, I, and Uh, there are lots of good places to get recommendations based on the stuff that you like I just read a book that was you'll probably like very much even though it will last you for a total of two days because it it's a page turner called uh, Dark Matter by a person whose name I can't remember
1: that's a great recommendation
0: have you read it John? no (laughs) it's by Blake Crouch Okay. And, uh, it was really, it's, it's, you know, it's an adventure page-turner book and, uh, super fun sci-fi and I think that you'll love it, Jared. I also can't recommend, uh, Cat Valenti's, uh, Space Opera enough times, which I feel like I've done it a lot, but, uh, it, I just like it so much.
1: I'm gonna recommend, uh children of blood and bone to both Jared and you Hank I thought it was great just really really great big fantasy world full of excitement uh, if you liked Kingkiller Chronicles uh, I think you'll love it it's really, it's really really good and only the first book in the series is out so you can have that uh, wonderful slash terrible feeling of mm. having to wait 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 mm-hmm. wait wait for the next book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also Jared I'm going to recommend my books I don't know if you've read them <laughs>
0: but I you know
1: my books especially Turtles All the Way Down because it is available only in hardcover (laughs) and I'm (laughs) I'm not above that Jared I'm not above trying to squeeze out an extra dollar and 60 cents from you
0: (laughs) (laughs) well at this point like does the amount of money you make go down per book as time goes on like when it goes to different types of paperback I imagine it does
1: uh, well, you mean like do mass market paperbacks pay less than? Yeah, no, yeah, they do usually. Yeah. But that said, the the big the big gap is between hardcover and paperback. So okay. buy those hardcovers.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for doing that. To all I've got of a you.
1: garden to maintain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> got to pay for those peas.
1: Yeah, you know I'm paying twenty five cents a pea right now in terms <laughs> of <laughs> in terms <laughs> of the <laughs> amount of peas I'm getting per gallon of water used so daddy needs a new pair of peas (laughs) like if you buy a hardcover of turtles all the way down what that means for me is 11 peas
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh it's terrible
1: speaking of which
0: this next question comes from john who asks dear hank and john are there any good billionaires then goes on to describe a number of billionaires, some of whom are more well-known for their good and some who are more well-known for their bad. Uh, but, but really, I think we can just leave it at that. Are there any good billionaires?
1: So I am going to take a pretty unpopular position on this one, Hank, because mm-hmm. I know that in our culture, there is nothing that people like to both worship and hate more than billionaires. Like, in a way, it feels like in this this new Gilded Age, just like the last Gilded Age, that billionaires have become their own form of celebrity, even though the vast majority of billionaires aren't at all famous, mm-hmm. the billionaires who are are kind of wildly famous or famous beyond all. It's cra- It's it's weird. We live in a weird time for yeah, billionaires.
0: Not just, just well-known, but, but worshipped in a way.
1: Yeah, but worshipped and then treated by others as false idols. Yes. It's almost like you have to fall one place or the other. Billionaires are good or billionaires are evil instead Mm -hmm. of billionaires are humans and they're complicated and they're capable of doing good things. But I think it's very difficult to become a billionaire without, you know, behaving in ways that Mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot.
0: (laughs) I think that the other thing to, to consider is that while a billionaire, of course, I don't think that... Uh, a bil- any billionaire is is evil i don't really believe in the idea of evil when applied to people and that's a big that's a big thing to say and not mm-hmm. back it up but i do I, <laughs> yeah so we could John and i will disagree on that um, but I, I, I one of the questions that i think about is like whether the possibility of billionaires is evil like the fact that it's right. possible to have right. that level of like th- that is the thing that i think is is the problem I don't think it should be possible for there to be billionaires. And the yeah, fact that and it is, uh, it requires a sort like a set of incentives that don't make any sense societally or individually. Like I don't yeah, that I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think sometimes people feel like billionaires are exempt from social, socioeconomic, political mm-hmm. pressures that somehow they've escaped the systems that shape the rest of our lives and i just don't think that's true and i think there are things that are evil about the system and billionaires in many cases have benefited from those systemic evils and that should trouble them but i have also benefited from a lot of those systemic evils and that needs to trouble me
0: yeah and i know from talking to you that it does
1: oh it does I buy my new book.
0: <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of peas. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, it's my favorite joke I've ever made on the podcast. I,
1: I, I, I didn't like it much the first time, but I, I really didn't care for it the second time, as is so often the case. (laughs) this next question comes from Andy who writes dear John and Hank when I do my laundry the lint filter always fills up with every load I don't know what kind of laundry you're doing there Andy but it seems like you're going a little hard but doesn't this mean that my clothes are shedding mass and should eventually disappear are my clothes gaining mass from another source so that the net loss is zero or is this process just so slow that I should be measuring my clothes in geological time A and B and C and D Oh, that's good, Andy. Ah. That's good. That's a good one.
0: <laughs> I, never, I, I, never, I didn't get it until you said it. It's the best.
1: Andy, your clothes are losing mass, but they are losing mass very slowly. That's why when you have a 35-year-old T-shirt, it feels real, real thin.
0: Well, and also why clothes break. I mean, you definitely see this with, with jeans. I'm just like, where did my pants go? These, there was way, and I, like, it'd be fascinating. I don't know why I've I've never seen anyone do this. Put some jeans in the washing machine and then take out the lint filter and weigh it and then take out the pants and weigh them before and after and find out how much pant you lost. Every time, like, it's basically like saying... Tell me how long before my pants don't exist anymore and I should stop washing my pants. You know, they say, John, that you shouldn't wash jeans. This is the new thing. You should never wash your jeans. And that's just a headline that I read. And I know nothing else about that because that's how the Internet works.
1: I was going to say, welcome to 2018 Internet where <laughs> you can read a headline and be an expert. Never wash your jeans again. Never. Stop period. Stop doing that. This next question comes from Rachel, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm in my grandmother's house, which is decorated with all manner of lovely needle points and hook rugs. However, there is one hanging in the main floor bathroom of a large black cat with angry yellow eyes that stare into the depths of your heart and steal your soul. Those eyes are the only bright spots in a black tiled bathroom with a black toilet and black counters. Furthermore, it is positioned above the toilet facing the sink, so if I want to pee or wash my hands, I have to turn my back on the creepy cat risking my <laughs> (laughs) very life i can keep an eye on it in the mirror but sometimes that's even worse the other bathrooms are occupied and i really have to pee what should i do semper ubi sub ubi rachel by the way that means always wear under wear it's a pun it's not how the romans would have said it but you get it i get it rachel your grandmother is a satanist or she's just really into the occult She's definitely really into the occult, but she only expresses it in one bathroom.
0: I, well, also, but there's ways to handle this. I, I mean, one, like, first, support your grandmother and whatever her beliefs are. Like, Absolutely. we have to believe different things. But also, it's okay while you're in a situation it's private, it's private situation to just take something, move it, and then put it back when you leave. You don't have, to, you can touch the creepy cat towel yeah.
1: It's not a towel. It's a rug. I mean, a needlepoint. It's a what? I don't know my nouns. (laughs) It's a needlepoint. But the the thought of Rachel's grandmother carefully needlepointing this evil black cat to put in her black bathroom that is the main bathroom guests of the house use is just so magnificent. And I want to congratulate Rachel's grandmother on being so successfully Creepy like how wonderful is it that there's a goth grandma in the world. I think it's good news Rachel I think you should (laughs) embrace your goth grandma and be grateful for her
0: now The question is would it be better to have the creepy cat like when you're peeing facing Like looking at you from behind and you don't know what it's doing or is it worse when you if you to pee and
1: stare into the eyes Oh, it's way worse to stare into the eyes. Definitely worse. You think? I
0: I don't know. It's always waiting where you're not looking. It's also very scary because you don't know what it's doing back there.
1: Rachel, is there any way you can draw a smiley face on the cat? (laughs) Because I feel like a yellow eyed black cat is super intimidating until you draw like a clownish smiley face on it. And then it's just not a big deal.
0: Is it maybe that like having something behind you scaring you helps you pee? Like maybe your grandmother's oh. a little bit, a little bit like blocked in the bladder. Sure. And needs needs the fear to inspire yes. the grandma pee.
1: Brilliant, Hank! You've solved it. You've solved it again. I mean, just call him Perry Mason, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Don't call him Perry Mason. No one knows who that is.
1: Everybody knows who Perry Mason is, Hank. I mean, that show didn't go off the air until, like,
0: 1974. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Perry Mason. I got to Google it. I got to (laughs) Google it. It went off the air uh, in 1966.
1: (laughs) Oh, Jesus. It's worse than I thought. All right. Just call him Columbo, ladies and gentlemen. Call him Columbo that's just, better but still bad what's the just, guy from csi just call him law and order svu <laughs> just call him that guy from csi miami with the sunglasses david broncaccio warwick david,
0: brown david that, that was the guy who came up when i said the guy from CSI is warwick brown
1: who's he David Caruso. It's David Caruso, isn't it? Oh, my God. If it's David Caruso, I feel like I should win some kind of honorary Oscar. David Caruso. It is David Caruso. Honorary Oscar
0: bestowed upon John Green. Put those sunglasses on. You stumbled forth into the unknown of your own mind and found a place that was correct.
1: Wow. I'm very pleased with myself for remembering who David Caruso was. Anyway, I hope that David Caruso, wherever he is, is well.
0: Nice of you, John. I really like how you're always thinking about other people. This question comes from Katie, who asks, Dear Hank and John, is it dishonest to not tell internet celebs that I know who they are if I find myself in a casual conversation with them? E.g., we sat next to each other at the theater and are chatting like strangers, even though I know weird facts about them and honestly quite a lot about the life they share publicly. Please answer so I have one fewer thing to keep me awake at night, Katie. Z- sleepy emoji. Um, I've definitely been in the situation where I've met people several times before I found out that they knew who I am, and I don't feel weird about that.
1: I can usually tell, or at least I I think I can usually tell. Oh, I've been
0: wrong. Have you ever been wrong? Because that's the worst.
1: Oh, yeah. It's super embarrassing to be wrong. There was one time, I might have told this story on the pod before, where my buddy Chris and I were... At the airport, and he checked out right in front of me, and then I was checking out, and the young woman behind the counter was super nervous and excited. And I, she was like, "Can I ask you a question?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, I am." And she said, "Was that Vince Vaughn?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does look like Vince Vaughn. He
1: you know, I mean, he looks he looks exactly like Vince Vaughn. I used to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if "You told that story in the pub before. I've forgotten
0: it, so you're good." <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, that wasn't Vince Vaughn. I've actually been on the other side of this experience. I'd valeted my car and I was waiting for the car to come back. And also waiting next to me was actually the guy who won the Indy 500 over the weekend, Will Power. That's his real name. And he's <laughs> one of my favorite drivers. He's an incredibly talented driver and a wonderful person, does a ton of work in the community. And it's just a lovely, lovely guy. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Will Power. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I just like tried to talk as normally as I could to him. And we had a pretty fairly normal conversation. He actually spoke to me first. Otherwise, I wouldn't have spoken to him. We had a fairly normal conversation. And then the valet pulled up my Chevy Volt and Will Power said, you know, I am also a Chevrolet driver. And I said, "Oh, no, I know, Will Power. I know. I know you're a Chevrolet driver. I know you drive the number 12 Penske. That's so good. I know. He looked at your little Volt and he was like, oh, yeah, know. me too. I also have a Chevrolet. It goes 237 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, well, mine has
0: an electric battery with a gasoline generator backup. Does yours have that willpower?
1: I do think that it's fine to pretend or just to act like the person you're talking to is a normal person and to try to talk to them in as, as normal yeah. a, a way as possible. The,
0: the, only, the only way that this gets weird is, is if uh, the relationship persists and goes... Uh, I, I, I had a friend who was dating a girl for a year before he found out that she was a fan of his for a year before they met. And that's a little weird.
1: Yeah, I'd bring it up before your one-year anniversary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that seems like a big lie that we've been living with, haven't we?
1: I'd say like a medium-sized lie, but you know, one, a big enough lie.
0: A big enough lie that maybe it shouldn't have been there in the first place
1: this next question comes from zachariah who writes dear john and hank i'm a senior in high school and i've recently found myself in a sticky situation or rather an unsticky situation oh it's i just lubricated. purchased a... what's that
0: i said oh it's lubricated the situation
1: i mean i don't think that was your phrase of the week but i kind of hope that it was <laughs> i recently purchased a toaster from a nearby goodwill and went on a cute random toast date with my crush oh Wait. yeah Wait, does this person have a crush on their toaster?
0: No, 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 no. Brought brought a person along for a toaster date. I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm excited to find out more.
1: We got to the park and put the bread in and had homemade orange marmalade at the ready, but the toaster did not work, and we had to go into the evening toast-deprived, and none of my special homemade marmalade was enjoyed. You did plug it in, right?
0: Like, because it's the part. Were there plugs? Yeah,
1: Zachariah, I'm just going to stop you right there. You can't take a toaster to the park and get mad that the toaster doesn't work because toasters (laughs) require electricity and you're in a park (laughs) and that is the issue and i have solved the problem
0: most of the parks i've ever been to don't have plugs it's just like a thing they don't have but sometimes maybe sometimes they do
1: when like when do you ever like walk up to a tree in a park and you're like oh (laughs) i wonder if there's an outlet here oh there is an outlet amazing
0: (laughs) the picnic pavilion yeah where are like, you can rent out this picnic pavilion if you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday party here. And there's, there's a grill area, but maybe sometimes a place to plug in your stereo.
1: I have seen the grill area, and I've seen the picnic area, and I can picture all of it, and where are the plugs? You bring know. a battery-powered stereo. I think it's possible. Hold on, I'm going to Google battery-powered toaster to see if such <laughs> a thing exists. <laughs> it does.
0: Oh my god, it does!
1: I it guess does. why not? You got to go to Ali you got to go to alibaba.com and this thing takes 23 batteries. <laughs> oh no, you have to put in it, it doesn't recharge. I was just thinking that kind of your
0: Chevy Volt is a battery powered toaster. You could hey, probably make some toast hey, on that
1: hey, thing. Hey, 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 you back off right there. My Chevy Volt is a magnificent magnificent car.
0: It's a amazing piece of engineering. I wish I had one right. myself.
1: Here's a battery powered toaster that toasts one slice and costs fifty six dollars on Amazon. Frankly <laughs> Frankly Zachariah, I think you got an incredibly good deal on your dollar and sixty toaster that doesn't work in the park. Right. I think I think you should just be happy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that you should just be happy no matter what, if that's an option. But also, I think that you should be happy that you're the kind of person who goes on a toast date with your crush, because that feels like the kind of like perspective that that comes from is also the kind of perspective that's going to lead to
1: just a really great life. I agree, Hank. And it reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by <laughs> Toaster Dates. Toaster Dates. Oh, toaster Dates. You want to be near electricity
0: this podcast is also brought to you by john's peas john's peas they're really the same as other peas
1: quarter a piece uh and of course today's podcast is also brought to you by david caruso david caruso remember
0: Yeah, Perry Mason, remember? And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Disappearing Pants. Just put them in the dryer, turn the dryer on to infinity, open it after infinity has happened. No more pants.
1: I mean, isn't that always true if you wait an infinite amount of time? Yeah,
0: it's true. Yeah, definitely if you wait infinity, all pants will be gone.
1: Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars into AFC Wimbledon, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a few more questions, beginning with this question Mm. from Graham. Mm -hmm. Dear John and Hank For a birthday gift My girlfriend got herself And I meet and greet tickets To see my all time Favorite band Blink 182 I'm super excited To go and all But since I knew I was going All I can think of Is the old adage Never meet your heroes To call the guys From Blink 182 My heroes Is an understatement I worry there's A truth to the saying And that somehow I'll leave disappointed Even though it'll Just be a quick hello And have them sign An album or whatever I'm sure I'm worrying About nothing And that I'll leave With an awesome experience How has meeting people You've admired played out Bon appetit Graham and cheese Graham
0: and cheese—it's the thing. I never get it until you say it out loud, and now I. I do. also
1: didn't get that one until I said it out loud. It's good.
0: The, uh, is that your is that your uh, phrase of the week, John? Graham and cheese, because it's a good one. It I, is not. Yes. Well, Graham would have really helped you there. If that was so. In my experience, I, I've not. I've had some experiences where the people I've seen. Uh, but to be clear, I've had a lot of experience where I've met people that I've like been a big fan of. Uh, very lucky in that regard. And almost never have I been, like, disappointed by the experience. I I think that if, like, to some extent, this don't meet your heroes thing is a little bit, like, might be better said as don't idolize people that way because they are just people.
1: Right. If you're disappointed, it may be because they're jerks. It will more likely be because they're people. And Mm -hmm. they might be tired. and. They might yep. be concerned about how long the line is, and they might be concerned about how many hours uh, until the show. And so their 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 mind might be on on other stuff, and that might be a bummer. Now, hopefully it'll be a quick interaction and they'll be present and you'll be present, and you'll feel really good about the opportunity and the and and it'll feel awesome. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that always happens. But I also don't think it's anybody's fault that it doesn't always happen. Like for a long yeah. time, I, I stopped wanting to do any signings because I felt like I was disappointing almost everyone in the signing line by not being as present as I wanted to be because of my mental health stuff and just I, I just couldn't like be there. Well, it's, and also, so I was it's like, also maybe really it's better to, not.
0: It's easy to get into your own head about that, and so like yeah. the moment you start like looking at the person and being like, "Am I satisfying the... that?" Your expectations of this experience. You're like, you never know. And so I'm like, you kind of like suddenly start to feel like every person is just like, I'm not like, you need to give me a five star rating here because I don't know if this is going well. I like, how am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to make like a funny, unique joke for every person? Cause I, I can't. Uh, I just right. want, I want the people, like, the thing that I'm trying to say is like, I appreciate you. And they're trying to say, I appreciate you. And, That is, from my experience, like that's what really we're trying to get out of a meet and greet is to like have that experience where everything I do is reliant upon people who support our content, and uh, and if they want to say that they, you know, have like have been had good experiences because of the stuff that I've made I want to tell them that I have had good experiences because they like the stuff that I've made and just that that moment of mutual appreciation is the thing that I try and get out of it instead of being like am I supposed to be like make this the most memorable amazing experience of this person's life no we're just trying to say we like each other.
1: Yeah, I can't really do that very effectively, I feel like, but the guys of Blink-182 have been at it a lot longer, so I feel better about their ability to get it done, Graham, than I feel about my own ability, so don't ever meet me, but I wouldn't worry too much about meeting Blink-182.
0: We've got a question here that comes from Poppy who asks, Dear Hank and John, Last year I was diagnosed with cancer, which has meant a lot of hospital stays and a lot of being around nurses and doctors. I'm thankfully fine and in remission now, but I still go to see the doctor fairly often to make sure everything's going to plan. Whenever I see doctors, the first thing they ask is how I am. And as an extremely awkward person, I find this question really difficult to respond to every time. Are they asking me as a doctor? How my health has been? Or whether, like, life at uni is going particularly well? Am I meant to ask them how they are, too? What are the social rules around doctor-patient small talk? I hope you can provide me with some advice so that my next appointment is a little less stressful. Poppy. So, John, you walk to the doctor, and the doctor's like, how you doing, John? What do you say?
1: I say fine, except for symptom, (laughs) so that we can get right (laughs) to the point. Because (laughs) I I don't think that they're in the room to become my friend. And I certainly have not gone to the doctor to have a social engagement. I've gone to the doctor because I have a health concern or because it's a checkup or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, even if you have, uh, I I guess if you have a long-term relationship with your doctor, you know, you, you might talk about other things like for instance, when Sarah was pregnant, our doctor who delivered the babies, you know, we got to know that doctor much better than we get to know, most doctors, and so that's a little bit different. And it may be because you've had a long-term relationship uh, with with these people, and because you know they've cared for you through mm-hmm. treatment for cancer and everything. That it's appropriate to, you know, answer by saying that you're doing really well at university. That probably makes them super happy to hear. But also, if you've got a concern, I say lead with it.
0: Right? Yeah. I. I. I live in a small town, so I, like, see my doctor sometimes at the store or a restaurant or, or some such. And so there's some expectation that, like, we're going to have a relationship that is beyond just, like, th- I have a bad toe problem. Please help. Um, I don't have any bad toe problems. I, mean, I know my mom listens to the podcast, and so she's going to call me and be like, what's wrong with your toe? And so I just want to make sure that we're explicit about that. That's a huge relief. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that in general that's, that is small talk, and it's okay to be like, good, you, school's great, and, uh, and I've been feeling XYZ. And, you know, that, that is a fine amount of small talk, but are you supposed to ask them how they're doing? They're probably not going to tell you any of their symptoms and be like, yeah, well, I've got this chronic hemorrhoid that's no fun. Uh, that doesn't seem like a very doctory thing to do. But I think right. it's also fine to to ask them how they're doing, and they will probably say, "Boy, this this uh, rain sure is a lot." Now on to doctor things.
1: Yeah, there's a part of me, Hank, that wonders what people who live in extremely consistent climates even talk about. Like, <laughs> if you live in Los Angeles, what is the casual conversation about? Like, I, I, I couldn't Boy, it sure bear is, to There sure a- is
0: 72 degrees and beautiful again today.
1: That's the reason I couldn't bear to live in a place like that, because the weather is essentially the only thing I talk about to strangers. And if I didn't have that, if I wasn't able to say like, oh, it's a hot one today, I I, I think I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't handle it, man. I could not handle social engagements. How about those kings? Oh, God, I can't do that. I can't do that partly because I'm just not interested. Like, nobody cares about the sports that I care about. Like, nobody cares how AFC Wimbledon did this weekend no. in Indianapolis. Yeah. No. So it just doesn't work for me. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We don't want to get to the news from AFC Wimbledon until what the ab- last possible moment because what- it isn't great.
0: <laughs> what about what about if you're at a grocery store? This is a thing that happens in Missoula because it's this type of place. And been, somebody uh, comments on the items in your cart. And I'm just like, no. No. Mm. Like this like I'm super into small town living, but I I feel like it's a violation of privacy to even look into there and see what I'm going to put into my body. I don't want you to know that.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah. I don't need you to I don't
0: need you to see the three jars of French onion dip, okay? I don't need you to know about that.
1: Right, like uh you're sometimes I'll be in line at the grocery store and I'll put down like three things of lime tostitos and the person behind me will say, Somebody's having a party, and I'll be like, First off, don't judge me.
0: <laughs> Second,
1: nope. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just for me, man. <laughs> no, it's just that I don't want to go back to the grocery store for seven days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, I, and, I, and every two days, I eat a bag of lime Tostitos. Uh,
1: yeah, and then on the seventh day, I rest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's your gardening fuel, John. You need something to to pump it up for your for your digging and watering and pulling peas off plants. Is it that is really not... all the peas you got?
1: Uh, That was all the peas I got. I mean, actually, I'd done another pea harvest a few days earlier, in which I got 13 peas, so... It might have been closer to like 18 cents a P. I'm not totally positive, but it's not a great return on investment. I am enjoying myself though. Hank, let's continue with the gardening theme by answering this question from Paige who writes, Dear John and Hank, I understand how ridiculous this sounds, but I feel I have nowhere left to turn. I'm very pro gardening. In concept, it can be relaxing and rewarding. Plus, you get food out of it, mm, not if you're me. I even (laughs) took a beginning gardening class at my college because it counted as a P.E. credit. (laughs) Wow. That's right." I love it. I love it. It's brilliant, Paige. Also, you need PE credits at college?
0: What's happening?
1: I know, we live in a different time. There's no Columbo on the air, etc. My problem is that every time I buy plants to nurture and love, I feel like I'm not gardening as much as watching my new friends die. Oh, no. I live in the middle of Texas, which is consistently in drought and 107 degrees, so I don't completely blame myself for my failure. But now every time I buy a plant, I get deep anxiety about its seemingly inevitable death. There's nothing seemingly about its inevitable death, Paige. Should I give up on my (laughs) dreams? Every new chapter starts with a new page
0: nice
1: page you got to understand that things die it is the nature of things to die your job is to keep them alive as long as possible and hopefully get 11 peas out of them
0: also there's got to be plants that grow in that weather i mean there's you you, first as long as you got water because that's what plants need it's the thing that plants crave you need water and sunlight there are some plants that are not going to do well in 107 degrees but there's got to be some that will and so what you got to go do is go to like CentralTexasGardening.com, which i'm not even kidding is a website and find out about the kinds of gardening that best is best done in 107 degrees you're not going to grow the same things we grow here in montana but you're going to have a much longer growing season, so that's good.
1: Yeah, the thing I'd say is that you've got to give yourself permission not to be an expert at first. Oh, so yeah. So don't get bummed out when some of your plants die because you're learning how to grow plants. And in the long run, plants overall are going to be grateful that you've put in that time, even Ooh. if in the short run it kills a few plants. <laughs> At least that's what I'm trying to tell myself because I'm a very novice gardener and I've definitely killed some plants already.
0: I also feel like it's it's much easier to feel like you're you're taking credit for a plant dying, like it's like I did that, than it is taking credit for them like flourishing because it kind of feels like they did that. All I did right. was like I just gave them the things that they needed and they made themselves into delicious tomatoes and artichokes and uh, and and bulbous onions. So you, 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 uh, that's the, th- the thing that I find most magical about gardening is that it's sort of like, I, I feel like I'm involved, but I'm only sort of this, this, uh, this like helping hand. And then suddenly this tiny, tiny little speck of nothing has turned into something that I've only ever seen at the grocery store before. It's very weird to watch a carrot happen.
1: Oh, I mean, you actually don't watch it. It mostly happens underground. But yeah, I agree with you. It <laughs> well, is pretty well, that's wild. part of
0: the magic. Like suddenly you're like, well, this this thing has grown out and then, like it, the day arrives and you yank it out and you're like, there's a freaking carrot under the ground. What was it doing down there?
1: Yeah, no, it is pretty magical. I mean, just watching the tomatoes t- turn from green to red. I'm like this. How does this happen, man? My mind is blown. Yeah. Speaking of uh, mind blown, Hank, it's time to move on f- to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Would you like to go first today?
0: Yeah, John. It seems like you want to save the news from AFC Wimbledon the last possible moment. So let's talk about this very cool paper that just came out in the Journal of Geophysical Research, which John, I know, is your favorite favorite oh, journal. No,
1: I'm a longtime subscriber.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I've got. I, I. I of course knew that. And do you want to know the very good title of this article? It's I do. a field guide to finding fossils on Mars.
1: That yeah. is a great title. Like I would read that book. And the great
0: news is, John, that the article is available. It's in the Creative Commons, so you can you can read it yourself. It's twenty nine pages long, and it has a number of very good graphs, figures, uh, pictures and the idea of it is to say like okay so here are the places where it is best and easiest to find fossils on earth here's how the earth fossil record works Mm. and yes mars is a cold barren wasteland as you are wont to say but at some point it was not it's definitely was warm enough to have liquid water and it does that liquid water stood on the surface for a long periods of time And those, of course, are the places that people want to look for fossils. And we have to know good places to look when we're going to send these scientific experiments like the Mars 2020 rover to uh, areas on Mars where they have not yet selected the site where that rover will be landing. And uh, and so yeah, the paper is looking at various rocks and minerals on Mars that could be the places where ancient life would be preserved, uh, places where it was warmer and wetter. For a long periods of time, for I think hundreds of millions of years, and uh, and also applying like basically recent research into how fossilization happens on Earth and the best places for fossili- fossilization on Earth, and thus where we should go to look for fossils on Mars. And it's a that, f- legit, that's it's really a legit cool. story. That's like basically, yeah, why not look? And for a long time, I feel like uh, NASA has kind of not wanted to to call that their mission, because it, you know, I think when we when we launched Viking, there was this idea that, like, I, we don't know what we're going to find, and then we arrived, and it was like, well, this planet is a very, very large desert, a very cold, large desert, and we had a lot of hopes, and turns out they were dashed, but, um, but I think the people are getting more serious about, like, actually, you know, looking to see if there is a way to discover what may have been happening on early wet mars especially now that we know that early mars was wet
1: yeah no i think it's really cool i am excited too that's cool i love that title yeah there are so few good titles in (laughs) academic journals so it's always a pleasure to come across one a field guide to finding fossils on mars well the news from afc wimbledon hank do you remember when we did like those dance classes and then we would have to go to those ballroom dances Mm -hmm. when we were in like seventh grade. And do you remember how there was a rule, um, that the boys would have to walk up to the girls and say like, shall we dance or whatever? And then the rule was that the girls had to say yes. Mm -hmm. You remember all that? I do. Do you remember how, when that happened to me, like the, Girls said no, they all organized themselves to say no, and it was, like, devastating, and I was, I cried a lot.
0: I don't, I didn't remember that. That's very bad. I'm sorry. I I did not know about that. Everyone always said yes to me because that was the rule.
1: Well, Hank, AFC Wimbledon walked up to Dean Parrott and said, shall we dance, and offered him a new contract, mm. and he said no. Oh, no. He said no. Dean Parrot. uh... Arguably, one of Wimbledon's best players said no and instead signed for Gillingham or Gillingham. I could never remember oh, if it's, it's a soft or hard league G. Even. I know it's in the same league. They're in league one. It's not like they're, you know, up a level. No, come I'm on. I'm sure Dean that they're probably offering a little more money. I am a little disappointed, though. Mm. I can't pretend not to be disappointed. Meanwhile, uh, Jimmy Abdu, the French player who spent uh, the season at Wimbledon, who also would have been very useful next season in League one, has also decided to move on uh, to a club in the fourth tier in his native France mm. So that means the Hank I don't even know if Wimbledon we don't have a lot of players is what it comes down to. We're going to have to do a tremendous amount of recruitment to play to play a game of soccer how many do you need? I am astonished that you do not know the answer Is 13? to that. But I'm going to guess 13. It, 11. 11. Well, but with
0: the two subs. See, that was oh, right. you have
1: more than two subs. <laughs> with the two subs uh that you you generally use. There you get three subs in a game, but you I think you can put either five or seven people on your bench. So you need 18 mm. to really minimum. Uh but you need more than that because there will be injuries and stuff. So it's not great the situation that Wimbledon are in is not great. Like we lost a bunch of our best players last season, but this season it looks like we're going to lose Lyle Taylor. We've just lost Dean Parrott and Jimmy Abdu. Mm -hmm. It looks like we're going to lose a a big part of the kind of spine of the club. And then we've released four players, including George Francom and Barry Fuller, who were really important last season. So I don't know, man, I I am definitely, mm, I am nervous. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I tweeted today on my sports Twitter, which is now my only Twitter, which I can't recommend highly (laughs) enough. I tweeted today, uh, is it too soon to be hashtag concerned? Because I feel hashtag concerned.
0: Well, what if, like, what does the AFC Wimbledon need? Do they need money? Is that the problem?
1: I probably, mm, well... It would be great to have more money, but the issue is that when you're a small-ish club in terms of budget, it's really hard to sign players to multi-year contracts, Mm -hmm. and that means that they can, you know, leave on a free at the end of each season. So, it's just really hard, and of course, it was a tough season. I mean, if you're... A player like that's a hard, hard season to go through. To barely stay up, to feel mm-hmm. the nerves of the crowd every Saturday for mm-hmm. the last thirty or so Saturdays that you're playing, like it's hard. So, oh yeah, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know what to do about your situation, John. But they look Me like either. all very handsome men. I'm looking at the the roster right now.
1: Yeah, we've got some lookers. I mean, in the League One hot table. Some people say that we're a playoff team.
0: Uh, I was just look. <laughs> I was just looking at a picture of one of your players and thinking that man looks quite old to be a soccer player, but he is two years younger than me. So, and then this one looks like he's maybe sixteen.
1: Yeah, there's some there's some actual children, uh, and it looks like some of them may be playing next year.
0: <laughs> uh, well, maybe they've they got a lot of move up to do.
1: We'll see. Hank, what did we learn this week? Oh, well, we learned that you can be an actual child and be a professional football player. We also learned that if your grandma is goth, lean into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that we learned that. We learned that there are battery-powered toasters available at Alibaba and also sometimes Amazon.
1: And also we learned that if you run into Indy 500 Winner and Chevy Driver Willpower, just be cool. Just be cool. Just be cool, John. Um, Hank, what was your phrase of the week? You're going to have to tell
0: me what you think my phrase of the week was. That's was how it works.
1: Ba- was it bad toe problems?
0: No, that's a, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that I threw that in there because it certainly mm. seems like... What was it? Seem, it was miniature hippos, which happened very early on.
1: Oh, and who uh, donated it? It was from Johannes. Thank you, Johannes, for donating to the Project for Awesome. And John, was yes.
0: yours... Uh, I don't have any idea. Disappearing pants? No, it was
1: actually. Nope, it was actually. I must dance, but I misremembered it as shall we dance? So, (laughs) my bad. It was donated by the Pineapples of Solidarity, a nerdfighter group. I see,
0: I see. Well, I do like a good introductory story, John, and I'm glad that the Phrase of the Week is giving you an opportunity to do those. But I should be more on the lookout for them.
1: You should be, you should be. But anyway, I'm sorry I messed up your Phrase of the Week, Pineapples of Solidarity. Hank, we also have a Project for Awesome message. Uh, Someone donated the Project for Awesome to get us to read this message on the pod. It's from Matt and Kate of Southeast Michigan to their son, Maxwell. And it's called A Short Poem on a Fourth Birthday. Maxwell, my light, bright, body spry, curious eyes, mind open wide, heart and soul kind. Maxwell, my son, my light, when the time is right, you'll fly. It has been an absolute joy watching you grow, learn, and explore. We are immeasurably proud and cannot wait to see how you contribute to the world. We love you dearly, Mom and Dad. Geez, matt and kate that is yeah, so nice
0: that is so nice
1: and happy birthday maxwell
0: john thanks for podcasting with me uh people out there thank you for listening and if you want to send us questions you can do that at uh hank and john at gmail.com that is our email address and we appreciate everybody who sends in questions, because how else would we do a podcast? You can also reach us on Twitter. I'm Hank Green, and John is sports with John now, apparently. <laughs> this podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno, who also runs our Patreon, which, if you go and donate there, it will help out SciShow and Crash Course. And you'll get our weekly bad podcast, This Week in Ryan's, which we're about to go record right now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as they say in our hometown, don't,
1: don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.